hello and welcome back to the second season of the Souls Conquest. I'm super excited for you guys to jump on on today's episode because we have another special creative from somewhere in this wide wide world who is about to share their story, their journey and their Souls Conquest. As you listen to this episode, remember that we are here to inspire, we are here to create and we are here to conquer. Now let's get on with it, shall we? Hello everyone, today we have Dan, he's an amazing friend and we reached out, we connected on Instagram and it's been an amazing journey. Um, while I would love to tell you more about who Dan is, I think it's best to hear it from him. So, hey Dan, welcome to the Souls Conquest, how are you doing today? Thank you so much, I'm doing really well, I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this since we booked it a few weeks ago. Yay! Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, I am a, a licensed clinical social worker. Mm -hmm. um, so I do a private psychotherapy practice as well as being a life and executive coach. I do less executive coaching these days. Mm -hmm. And so I work with people on things like um, getting forward momentum. So in psychotherapy, we look at the past, try to get that kind of all cleaned up so that we can move forward. And then with coaching, probably similar to what you do. Yeah. Um, we think about the now and then how can we really get, you know, a, a nice forward momentum going and break down barriers to thriving. So Yay, there you that's go. amazing. <laughs> uh, I have two questions from that. I know I'm going to jump into the questions right off the bat, but uh, okay, cool. yes, what is forward momentum according to you? Like what's the meaning behind these two words and why is it so close to your um, personal life? Well, I think the the concept of that came from my own personal experience. I had a lot of experience when I was younger, all the way up into my early 40s of not having a failure to launch sequence, but kind of a, I would get launched and then not really gain the momentum career-wise, personal-wise. I hadn't done a lot of self-study. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I started coaching about 15 years ago, I was looking at that idea, but not in the way that I do now, because um, now, you know, having been trained as a therapist, um, and getting the licensure and all that kind of thing, I, I started to look at it through frameworks. And then as the more I coached and the more I observed myself, I thought I'm beginning to notice what stops me from getting forward momentum. Yeah. So let's start playing with that with people mm -hmm. through study, self-study, I like to call it. And, and so forward momentum for me is like when, if there's a barrier, whether I've created it in my mind or there's an external barrier, how can I assess for that? And then get moving again. So if it's a career choice, why am I not applying for jobs? People say to me, you know, I'm, I, I get nervous and I don't apply for jobs or I don't ask for promotions. What's holding me up? So I say, oh, there's a barrier to your forward momentum. Let's discover what that is. And when we unlock that, they get a promotion and they're like, my momentum's good. <laughs> so yeah, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. It's, it's an amazing thing that you're doing. And um, from something that you said during your introduction, it kind of really vibed with me, this, the fact that you said that in psychotherapy, you do a lot of um, working, clearing out the past so that you can kind of work towards the future. And that's something really amazing because today, like genuinely just before our call, I launched this blog post that spoke about looking inward and moving forward. And um, it was regarding like, I kind of don't like the fact, like I've had a couple of people come up to me and they keep telling me that, hey, you know, I'm tormented by my past. I'm tormented by uh, what's happening in my life. And um, 
you know like people come up to me and they tell me that and i'm like okay so what are you doing to heal yourself right and um mm. they say nothing like i mean are we supposed to be doing something and i'm like yes obviously you're supposed to be doing something and it's because you know like i feel like the notion of um, other kind of phrase that time heals all wounds is kind of very um, how you say it it's taken in a very wrong sense in the sense that people expect to sit down and hope that everything works out for them but mm. healing is a very um, on the hands kind of a thing like you need to get your hands dirty and you need to work on your past so um that was kind of the inspiration behind the blog post as well that um people spend a lot of time caught up in their past and a lot of time i say this in the sweetest way possible but a lot of times they create this concept of them being the ultimate victim um yes if that makes sense right like i know it's also bad but it's so true like they they make this concept of them being the ultimate victim that what they are going through no one has ever gone through and no one will mm. probably ever go through and um, you know the thing is they are so caught up in that past that the present the now they are spending that being caught up in the past and when the present becomes their past like the recent past if uh, that kind of clears it out for the people who are listening in um then they start to again go back to the you know first square and be like oh my god my recent past sucks like again they go back to the concept of blaming others and becoming the victim themselves as in they'll blame everyone out there but they won't stop to think that what can we do to be better and mm-hmm. um that was something that i was writing about so when you said that in your introduction i was like okay i think we vibing good today <laughs> yeah i totally love what you're saying there especially about the passive part because yeah. i think for a lot of my life i was passively hoping that things would get better yeah or would change and i never thought of what was the actionable thing that i could do to contribute to the change yeah yeah a um, nice big life lesson on that one um so i i get that totally what you're saying yes um amazing so i want you to kind of um do a deeper dive if you could as to what you do as a coach so you have shared you know bits and pieces of this in your introduction but um could you do a deeper dive as and share what you're doing um if that's comfortable with you oh yes totally now do you mean in the context of therapy and coaching um coaching specifically but if you would like to add on therapy as well the more the merrier very good yeah. well you know it's interesting because they they look very similar um and and i think i'll give you this um explanation just so i can explain the differentiation when 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 people come to me for therapy yeah as you probably can imagine they're really looking at to excavate the past yeah. because that's where a lot of the chains that are binding them are found yeah and in coaching you know we're looking at now and then the future even though we have to observe the past often yeah. in many ways but we're not observing it in the way where we're hung up in it and yeah. so the deep dives that i do with people i think um similarly with coaching take excavation of of what you think about things mm-hmm. how you feel about things and then what do you how do you behave in alignment with those things or or incongruently with those things you know depending on how you're seeing it so yeah. I bring mindfulness to my coaching practice just like I do um in the therapy practice and in in mindfulness 
we look at the present, like you were saying right. earlier. And if we can track what's happening for us in the present, I do this body of work called Hakomi. And mm -hmm. so we look at our body and how it's resonating with our experience, our internal one and our external one, and we can kind of track where we are in any given moment. And so the deep dive for me begins there. Like right now in this moment, what are your deepest concerns, right? And often the question will leave an answer that's about past. And we'll say, well, that's interesting because you're talking about how I've never been able to fill in the blank. Yeah. And so if we can get underneath that, you know, then we can get into this present moment because we can say, oh, that's impacting me in this way now. And so it's a very mindful way of looking at our current experience. So does that answer your question, you know, about yes, it deep does. diving? It's not, it's not as deep as maybe you wanted to go. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 it's perfect. It's perfect. I love it. Um, and I kind of resonated with this one thing that you were saying, right? Like a lot of times it's happened with me as well, that while I'm coaching, we are talking about something that's acting as an obstacle right now in their lives. Um, but when we kind, when I kind of ask the um, hard-hitting questions, basically, the questions mm -hmm. that uh, might make my clients cry, um, I wear that as a badge of honor, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, when you look at stuff like that, they often find that the chains, as you said, originate from the past. It's it's something that's binding them, right? Like I haven't had love in this particular form, which is why I have issues in the matters of love and the matters of trust. And it's so uh, amazing that, you know, a lot of times I think, I think we're going to talk about past a lot during this call because um, for me I think that a lot of times people want to kind of completely obliviate the past as in they kind of want to completely forget that the past existed and mm. um, in wanting to do that they're constantly ignoring the source of their problems and so as much as they ignore it that much the problem kind of screams louder and I say this a lot of times right Yes, like, totally. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen this a lot of times. I keep telling all the people I work with that if your emotions are talking to you, listen to them, because if you don't, it's going to act like an angry little child and it's going to mm. scream at the top of its lungs. And um, it might not affect you um, directly, but it will have indirect consequences throughout your day, throughout your present and future. So, um, mm. kind of taken what has happened. So, you know, when you look at past, you have to acknowledge that something has happened in your life, whether good or bad, and you have to acknowledge it. Um, sorry, acknowledge it and accept it. So kind of mm. like, okay, you know, this has yeah. happened and they're two very different things as much as the sound um, similar. But yeah, you have to accept what has happened to you so that you can move forward from it because the more you ignore, the more it kind of goes like, ah, why are you ignoring me? Yeah, I totally get that. You know, it brings me back to what you were asking me before. The deep dive happens, which happened for me, which was very difficult. Mm -hmm. In this Hakomi work that I'm talking about, we have to develop the skill set where we learn to be with whatever mm -hmm. that thing is, the difficult emotional content that's associated with something that was hard or the current recognition that a barrier is in our way to getting forward momentum. And so what we do is we practice being with that without doing anything, yeah. without trying to fix it, or yeah. even trying to figure it out. And that yeah. is hard work. I yeah. think it was hard work for me, still continues to be. And I think it's hard work for people when I pose it to them, because often they're like, 
why are you asking me to do that? It sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ooh, I want to ask you more about this process. Can you tell me a bit more about it? It sounds extremely interesting because uh, for me, my kind of process is to um, ask the questions and get the answers and then ask some more questions to get the answers. But mm-hmm. your way of treatment um, or to kind of deal with stuff is to kind of be in that spot, be in that situation a bit more. So I want to know your perspective on you know like coaching via this way and did you say sakomi um is am i saying that right yes hakomi hakomi yes and now it is a mindfulness centered somatic psychotherapy mm-hmm. but the the modality itself isn't really restricted to therapy uh you right. know because the thing that we want to do and i've been speaking about this recently on my tiktok videos and instagram when it comes to the pain or things that are painful or, or the suffering that we feel, I think our first response, I was socialized this way. I don't know about you. I'd be curious to hear about your experience. In my family system, we did not feel things. We, were, we, we needed to get a stiff upper lip, bite the bullet, and kind of move through whatever painful experience we were having without talking about it and without acknowledging it. You know, we're going to grin and bear it. And, um, yeah. and so this idea of leaning into something that's hard, difficult, mm-hmm. uncomfortable, um, we, we develop a practice around that. So in the beginning, it's not easy. And we, we use language like this painful thing that I'm looking at, even in coaching, you know, it's like this thing still looms. And I think that I beat it, but I don't need therapy about it, but I, it still looms. And it's hard for me to acknowledge it. And so the practice is to be with it without figuring anything out about it, not, not doing, doing anything to it. And that's difficult for people. Um, you know, I think that's that's where we're going with this. Yeah, I like I like that. I like that a lot. You know, to be honest, it's, it's an amazing concept. Uh, wow, I would genuinely want. Is this something that you developed, or is this something that's already existing? Oh no, already existing for quite a long time. You can actually get a practitioner's book um, on Hakomi, um, and preferably you train with people to do it. Um, but you can read the practitioner's book and get a huge amount of insight from it. It's it's just beautiful the way you observe your emotions and your thoughts and what happens in your body and how you can transform that into something actionable. Like if I can be with this thing that is either a mental block or um, anything that's holding me up without judgment, you know, that's a very mindful centered principle. Like let's don't judge it. Let's just call it what it is and then be with it. Well, things happen for people, things shift. We had, we feel a transformation. I mean, that's been my experience with clients and myself. Wow, that's amazing. I'll definitely check that out because it sounds amazing. Woof. Um, I want to ask you, why do you work towards this particular craft? Like, why is it important for you to um, help kind of people, um, you know, help people have that forward momentum in their life? If that kind of makes sense. Why is it important to you? Again, personal disclosure, I had the experience of that quite a bit. And as a human, I can still have moments of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I see it a lot in the people who come to me. You know, they they have language around their experience that's that looks like I just can't seem to and then fill in the blank. Or here I am, like when I've worked with executives, CEOs of companies, and they're like, I don't even know how I got here. (laughs) How did I become CEO in this company? And I still have these these constructs in my mind that, that are like blocks. Yeah. Um, and so 
you know, I think it was from personal experience and then seeing it. And then my language, you know, I think the forward momentum language, it's not new to me, but it resonates with me because I know when I feel stuck, even though in physical reality, I may not actually be stuck. That's another mental yeah. construct around my experience. Mm -hmm. um, but when I feel like I'm in forward momentum, there's flow there. It's almost um, like alignment with something, your purpose, your contribution. And when there's flow, it's like, ooh, forward momentum. And that, that, those words just stuck with me years ago. Yeah, that's that sounds an amazing thing. Um, how did you start out with this? Like, can you share your journey with us? How did you start? Um, or where did that first thought come in that you wanted to be a coach who does this and helps people with this particular thing? Okay, very good. I, I again, personal disclosure. I experienced, um, like, like I said, I was coaching before, but in a in a more of a corporate context yes. about helping people. Um, get forward momentum, but I wasn't using that language before. And then about 10 years ago, I had a, what I'll call a dark night of the soul. It was an, a transformative experience, um, mm -hmm. spiritual experience um, that completely shifted my whole perception of my being in the world. Yeah. So the contribution came out of me having an understanding of what that feels like. Yeah. And after I went and got some help with a therapist and then later on a coach and started to understand myself more, even though I, I often joke that I have a limited understanding of the self, but I yeah. have an experience of it that I can track. Yeah. Um, I, I just had this moment where I was called. I said, you know, if I can have this experience as wonky as I am yeah. and actually stand in myself like more fully, yeah. I want to be able to help people do the same thing. Um, and, and as time's gone by, I'm just doing it more and more. And I don't know, it's, it's the most joyous thing I've ever done in my life. And I've had a lot of incarnations in this life figuratively, where I've yeah. done lots of different things, you know, from, yeah. I, I think I've shared with you before music and then theater. Um, and then now, you know, the therapy and coaching thing. And this is where I feel most placed, most in alignment with myself. And the gift of being of service to people in that way is, well, there's, the, you can't put a price on it. Most definitely. I love that, you know, the, the things that you said, um, it kind of resonated with me a lot because uh, before this, right, like I, I have done hotel management. I was into marketing. I was working as a social media manager, as a content writer, as a content marketer. Um, I have done it in different fields as well. Like, so it's been in advertising. I've done in solar energy. I've worked like with solar energy and stuff like that. I've worked with hotels. And then... Mm. <laughs> it's it's been a crazy journey to be completely honest but um what you said kind of resonated because um eventually when i did start coaching and i have to thank covid for that because it gave me the time because i had to lose my job and i was like okay so i have all the time in the world why not do this one thing that i've been wanting to do for a long time and yeah you know it kind of just like perfectly aligned like you know you were kind of moving around and then things kind of align and then everything started to flow in a way that I had always wished for it to flow, but I never thought it was imaginable or like, you know, it was possible for me to do something like this. So what mm. is that kind of like resonated like crazy? Yeah. Oh, it's so cool to hear that. I love to hear it. When you talk about it, there's such an energy behind it. I yeah. can, I can feel the alignment because you're just like in it completely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ooh, love the flow. Um, yeah, so I want to ask you, my next question for you is, 
when you are doing this coaching program or when you're working with a new client, let's say you're working with a new client in your coaching program, what is it that you hope to achieve before starting, you know, the program with this particular client? For me, yes, the, for the, the most important thing for me, and because I can become nervous if I don't feel that I have a sort of mm, empathic understanding of where they are. Yeah, I don't know a better way to put that. Yeah. When I am assessing, when they come to visit and they and they're talking to me about why they want to work with me and then what the areas that they want to work on, the richness of their story has to fully resonate with me mm-hmm. so that I can understand my own version of that. Even though I could, you know, you know how we put ourselves into someone else's shoes for a moment in our imagination. Well, yeah. when I have that um, experience of like, oh, I have my own version of this. And so now I have a frame of reference or a point of reference. That's hugely important to me. And for me, that's what I need first. And I have sat with people before in the past done the assessment, looked at the the notion of, of what they're looking at, and have made the decision that I'm not the coach for them. Yeah. Um, even if they're like, no, but I've, you were recommended to me and, um, and I've read your website and, and I think it's perfect. And, and, you know, and it's often because, and this has only happened a couple of times, but I thought, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what the questions I would ask you are because what you're bringing to me, I think is maybe out of my expertise and yeah. I would be doing you a disservice to take all your dollar bills yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just sit with you. And so I've done that a couple of times and, and been able to refer them to coaches that they have later said, thank you so much because fill in the blank name yeah. is the perfect match for me. And I'm thriving. And I'm like, yes. And you wouldn't have done that with me because I would have yeah. been completely confused. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Oh my God. So that is so important um, because as coaches, you, um, you know, you're um, when you're beginning out, at least you're in that zone of accepting whoever comes to you. But mm. as you grow as a coach, you start to um, kind of filter out the submissions or the applications. And then you're like, okay, so this is going to be a perfect match for me. This is not going to be a perfect match for me. So what is your process when you are sifting through the applications as, you know, like that sounds cooler. So yeah, sifting through the applications to kind of choose if someone is the right fit for you and if that person is a, or you are a right fit for that particular person. Um, you know, I think the, the thing where I discover that is in a call and I, and yeah. I always insist on a video call. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm highly trained in looking at people's nonverbals. And so I need to see their face. I need to see the way they use their hands. I make them sit in a very specific way in front of the camera so I can see, Ooh. you know, a good bit of them. And and yeah. that gives me the the impetus as to whether or not we're going to work together. Um, I hate being on the phone where I can't see someone's face. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if somebody shows up on when they send me an email through my website or what have you, and and I read it and I think, I don't even know where I would begin here. I still have the call and then discover it. Like mm-hmm. I said, it's only happened a couple of times over the years where I've just had to say, I just can't be your coach because I don't know what I would do to help you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it happens in the interview. I mean, do you have a different experience of that? No, uh, I have a pretty similar experience, but I would have to say I'm like a really beginner in the coaching practice. Like I just started this a couple of months ago. So I don't have like a huge influx of clients for me to um um, you know, like all the clients I've had so far have been pretty much in tune with what I can help them achieve and what they need from me as a coach. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like, it's been a smooth process, but I would love to know um, 
what do you say uh, like you know when you do say no to a particular client what do you feel at that time because a lot of times i feel coaches also have this kind of internal um, struggle going on because i would like to say this like you know like when we are being a coach a lot of us we have that tiny uh, bit of ego kind of jump up and be like i am the coach kind of a thing right like i know it sounds so bad and it puts no in a bad light but you know you have that moment of i am the coach so uh, when you do say no a lot of people have this guilt kind of that stabbing them in the gut that oh my god how can i say no to this person this person needs help and uh, maybe i can help them maybe i can't but i'll work with them maybe i can help them kind of a thing so how do you mm. work through those emotions you know Okay, that's that's such a great question. I had a lot of that when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and being wanting to be a people pleaser and um, and, and even sometimes a probably an approval seeking schema in my mind, which you know yeah. basically I've taken dynamite to, because yeah. um, it doesn't serve me. You know, I I rest really well in being clear about who I am, and and being able to do that means that. I can say with confidence when I feel that I'm not the person for you, but yeah. I always, I'm a clinical social worker. So I'm always framing things to the best of my ability with a strengths focused perspective. Yeah. And so with, without saying, I'm just not the guy for you, right? I just wouldn't yeah. put it that way. I would say, you know, I'm looking at this and all of the powerful things that you're bringing here. And here are my concerns. The things that you are a rock star at, I'm not. Yeah. And, and so I feel that your spark of divinity deserves someone who can be in alignment this way with it. If yeah. I come and work with you, we're going to be like this and it's yeah. going to be wonky. And yeah. maybe we will discover something together and benefit each other in, in being of service to one another. Because my feeling is, is when people come from to me for coaching, they are serving me as much as I'm serving them. And, and right. some people yeah. don't believe that, but I can see that you think that because I learn as much from them where sometimes I joke, I should give you half your money back, but we're not going to do that. But you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, because they've they've made my life richer by bringing the things that we've deconstructed with our critical yeah. thinking skills and our hearts and our minds in balance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, does that answer? Yeah, it does because I kind of get the vibe that um, you know, as coach, you, as a coach, you are kind of working for them, right? Like so, you your focus is on them and not on yourself. Um, but mm -hmm. it's like a very um, it's like walking the kind of blade of a knee uh, of a knife if, if that makes any sense right like you can go this way or you can go that way but it's like the constant tug of war between you as a coach versus them as a client so you don't want to go too much of too much over their sides but you also don't want to go too much internally because then it just messes up the entire process um mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, it always has to be about elevating them. And yeah. we're there to be of service. And yes, it's flattering when somebody says, I want a little taste of your wisdom. Yeah. And then I remind them that all the wisdom that I have comes from minds greater than mine, then I'm just redisseminating yeah. that information through my own lens and through my own special wacky way of being in the world. Yeah. yeah. But to serve them is is the is the goal and the privilege and really the only thing and that keeps me out of my monkey mind that keeps yeah. me out of my ego and it even helps me to shift my biases to the side yeah. because i think if i'm going to be of service to this person they have to be held in a way that's it's not about me yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. i have to not be afraid to say sometimes i don't know what to do here with this 
Yeah. There's a moment, you know, that that you and I both are finding this to be a conundrum and I don't know, but I guarantee you by the next time we meet, I'm going to have a solution for you. And then I will consult other coaches and I will consult the database and, and the evidence base and see if I can't come up with something. Fortunately, that doesn't happen often, but I feel I'm in integrity if I say, oh gosh, I don't know what to do right yeah. <laughs> now with what you just presented. I mean, people appreciate that because they yeah. you remember we're human beings. We're not yeah. demigods. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, yeah, that's that's a that's an amazing thing. I also wanted to add on to this beautiful thing that you kind of spoke about earlier. And um, you were telling that, you know, you learn as much from them as much as they learn from you. And that's mm-hmm. so beautiful because some of the most beautiful insights in life I have received while I was on a coaching call, you know, because you, so like throughout life or throughout, I would say throughout my journey, it's always been uh, my perspective about how the world is moving around me. And that's what I would love to share. But sometimes when I'm working with my clients and I get to see their perspective, uh, this has happened very randomly, uh, but there have been moments where, uh, you know, if you would have, if you were to randomly ask me a particular question, I wouldn't have the answer. But while I'm talking with them and while I'm in the flow with them, um, from somewhere that answer comes right, and it's the perfect answer that they need. Um, and after we are done with the call, I'm just sitting there like, where did that come from? Like, what? Where was my mind even to have come up with that? And it's so beautiful that I have to use that example as many times as I can because um, it's it's kind of like the shiny piece of gem you weren't looking for, but you found, so now you have to share it with the world kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I love that particular part of your um, process. It made a lot of sense. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so what do you hope the people you are working with will feel post the completion of your program? Ah, satisfaction. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but, you know, I I think the, um, when we set goals, and and I imagine you work similarly, we, we set goals, just like we do in therapy, we have treatment goals, and in coaching, we have goals. And then when we can say that we've got most of that bullet point list completed, and and someone is using language like I'm feeling a sense of mastery in this area. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready to let you go, but I'm, but something's happening to me that is so beautiful, and I'm feeling like I haven't felt before. Um, it's the language around that experience. Um, you know, if we're ticking boxes, I find that mundane and kind of boring. That's for yeah. research papers for like, you know, psychological journals. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're having language around, you know, we I came here to do fill in the blank thing. And what's happened is, is with fill in the blank thing, I've gotten all these other skill sets. The fill in the blank thing is not yet to my liking, but I've gained so much more around that thing that I feel like now I've got forward momentum with regard to making that thing happen. And so language around that is, is what I want to hear from people with the richer, the language about the experience for me is the, is the, is the, the juice of the fruit. You know, it's like when someone's using language like that and they're filled with some kind of thrill or, 
luminous quality of, of how happy they are about what they've discovered about themselves. Well, that's what I want from them in the end. And we have to tick the boxes, of course, we have to do that, but it doesn't have to be a rigid thing. We don't set the five goals. And if four of them are met, we're not done. We might finish three goals. And then the other two goals, the person decides I can do that on my own. Yeah. I, I can go and work that and come back in three months and check in with you and say, this is what's happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So I've got a couple of questions from that. And the the biggest question that's kind of like blinking in front of my mind is basically that I get the vibe that you coach not for per- performance, but more for development. So mm. um, because you said this one thing, right? Like um, they might not have, uh, you know, like they don't want to leave you but they have this thing that they want to work on right now by themselves. So that's a beautiful um, emotion. And that's a thing that I hope all coaches kind of work towards because um, the concept of uh, now, uh, you know, as you are a therapist, as well as a coach, you will understand that. uh, And you might kind of take offense also. I'm sorry, but therapists are kind of someone who are constantly with them. So they are like working each tiny step towards a particular goal. But coaches are someone who kind of kickstart the process and then let the person work through whatever emotions they have, right? So mm. um, what do you have to say about that? Oh, that's that's juicy. I love that. Um, and I love what you're seeing there. I love that you use the language performance and development. Yeah. You know, there's an element of, uh, you know, development in the therapy and the coaching. And when we look at it through a coaching lens, you know, development for me, and you've given me new language because, you know, I used to, when I work with corporate systems, which I do less and less of, yeah. in fact, I don't have any corporate people right now. Um, I have people who work in corporate, but they're there for more of a life coaching purpose. Yeah. Um, performance has a rigidity to it that I think doesn't resonate with me always. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the development even though, you know, we say sometimes in corporate arenas, like soft skills lead to hard um, results, like yeah. like good hard end results, whatever. It's, there's language like that around that. And I'm kind of like, man, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, coaching with a development mindset means that people are developing skill sets and they will take those skill sets and then further develop themselves. Yeah. Whereas in a therapeutic arena, someone might say, my anxiety needs to come down or I'm going to fall apart, right? So we work on anxiety coming down. And when the anxiety is at a, has a baseline that looks more acceptable to them, well, mm-hmm. we've met our goal. They have a medication management through a, a psychiatrist. And then maybe our goals are met and then therapy's done. Boom, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas it's, and, and it's great because there's been some development goals in that as well. But yeah. coaching, like you and I said before, we start kind of where we are here. If we have to do a ton of excavating in the past, well, we probably we need to go to a therapist first. Then when we get here, we think about the idea of, well, what am I developing? And then if I'm going to pay this guy or this gal, can I take those tools and then further develop? And maybe even, which is so cool. I have had one person call me a year later and say, I've developed a whole new way of working with my teams out of what you and I discovered and I've patented it and it's now a training manual that's for sale right and that came of her own development and she told me about it and she was like you can see where the roots are it's in what we did but I've named it something completely different and it has elements that you never told me about and I'm like you rock star (laughs) yeah that's that's amazing oh my god I can feel the energy and 
wow, that's amazing. So the I wanted to say the words that I was using, right? Like coaching for performance and coaching for development. That comes from a book called The Coaching Habit. Now, mm. I don't know if you've read it or not, but it's an amazing book, especially for coaches who are just starting out because I've read it. I'm still reading it, to be completely mm. honest, because it's like so much of information and I'm constantly kind of working with whatever insight I'm getting. So I'm not mm. just like rushing through the book, but it's an amazing book. And I definitely think that new coaches and you as well, Dan, like, you know, you got to read it because there's there's so many amazing insights and tips as to how you can coach better. So uh, just wanted to add that because I like to give credit because I didn't feel like it was language that I kind of created on my own self. It was something mm-hmm. that I took from a place. So I wanted to share that. Mm, um, I'll have to check that book out. Yes. I'll send you a link afterwards. Very that- good. Yes. Um, The second thing that I wanted to say, um, you know, is what you said, right? Like if you have five goals, you have completed three, you're working on two, um, but you are doing that journey on yourself. That's beautiful because, um, you know, we kind of covered this in the previous question, but previous question and answer, but basically it was the fact that you start something and then you let them be kind of like, you know, you tell, um, a little kid that this is you know this is a ball of clay you can do crazy things with this you teach them what you can do and or what mm. they can do and then you just let them be and then they'll come up to you with their own creative concepts and thoughts and stuff like that like hey here you go see, see what i created <laughs> and it's such an amazing thing how do you feel when something like that happens oh gosh how do i feel it's a, it's a privilege. It's a, when that happens or my own version of when I've had that experience, it's almost like a giddiness because it, it comes from an expected place because you know, we're working on ourselves and as, as a coach, we're working on ourselves while we're working with somebody. I mean, we're developing things where we get these downloads. I, I jokingly say from the universe yeah. where we have yeah. this moment of inspiration and then the, the client goes, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And, and we're going, I know. And I don't even know where that came yeah, from. Exactly. And then, right. Yeah. And then later we're working on it on ourselves because we're, we're like so amazed that there's this new wisdom that's come. Maybe it's come from something we've read and we had not integrated fully, like whatever that is. But when we have that experience that you're talking about, I, I think that's the best Yeah, because it's a contribution to us as well. Right. In that moment. That, that's kind of what I was talking about with the um, gem example that, you know, like you're talking with a client and then suddenly you were like, boom, I, I have this thing that I, I don't know where it came from, but it's here. So I'm sharing it with the world. Um, yeah. I think the word download fits it perfectly because, you know, you're downloading something from the universe and then you're uploading it around to share it with people. Mm. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, I had a um, a coach that I worked with for a while, not as a client, but worked with um, to in some workshops to kind of learn about some things she was talking about. And I remember her using this word, and I'd used this word um, in a different way in my therapy, but she said, the more of a conduit we can be, mm-hmm. and she's like, I know that's kind of wooey sounding and a little <laughs> bit new agey, but- yeah. It's a thing. The more of a conduit we can be, a conduit for the transference of energy between you and the client, and a conduit for all of the energy and information that you've put into learning about your craft, 
um, things that you didn't fully integrate that suddenly pop up and remind you like this is a moment to use that thing that I learned five years ago that I've never had the experience of doing. The more we can be a conduit, the more um, in flow we will be with our people and in flow with ourselves. When we are more of a vessel, we can hold a lot, but vessels get full and then vessels don't generally kind of get new information. Like when you fill up a glass with water, you know, and you put more water in, it's just spilling over the edge. Whereas a conduit is like a pipe. And so you're just, you're just channeling information and delivering information and receiving information. And and I never forgot that because I thought, wow, I want to be a conduit. (laughs) Oh yeah. I get the same vibes. It's it's so amazing when you explained it like that, that made a lot of sense, you know, like we are sort of a medium um mm-hmm. whatever's happening around us and that's 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 a beautiful way to explain that mm-hmm. uh, my next question for you would be uh why is it important that for you that the clients use the language as you said right like you said that they start to use this language after they're done post completion of the program so mm-hmm. why is it important for the clients to use that language I think for two reasons. One, the, 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 the smallest reason is that because I've used maybe similar language, mm-hmm. that when I'm hearing language, and not that they have to, to parrot what I'm saying, but when I hear them using their own language around their own development, it's a signpost for me that, that, that there has been progress made. And now being a clinician, as a therapist, we're always looking for progress, right? And we're notating very specific things about progress, right? Client is, is smoking now half a pack of cigarettes a day rather than two packs of cigarettes. And we're notating that to, to, to track progress. Um, so one, it's, it's for me to, to understand that there's progress made. And, but two, I think that when people use language and in their own language around an experience that's novel for them. And we know that the brain loves novelty, right? Anything new. And then, so they're integrating all these principles and then they're using them in their own way that looks nothing like the way we would use them. When they're using language like that, that means their, their experience in the fullness of their being, the information that they've taken in has been integrated, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's part of them now. Um, yep. And that's, like I said, also for me, but, but for them, I've even had people say, you know, I even speak in a new way. And my family are like, you're a weirdo, but you're, <laughs> but you're cooler than you used to be. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's definitely progress. Oh, I would love to have that kind of progress. <laughs> um, my next question for you is, what were some of the obstacles that you faced during your journey as a coach? So from the moment that you wanted to become a coach to the moment that you are here right now recording this podcast with me, what were some of the major obstacles that you faced? Okay, that's a good one. Um, One was when I started, and I'll just talk about life coaching and not the executive coaching I was doing before. When I was integrating my clinician brain, in and trying to find the intersection of that with coaching, which is very different. You know, I'm not a psychological coach. Of course, I bring psychology to coaching practices, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm more of an ontological coach and looking at the quality of somebody's being in the world. And, and so when I, in the beginning, when I said, oh, I'm going to go and do some 
you know, work as a coach. I'm going to get some training as a coach. I'm going to start integrating things differently. Um, I had a little bit of trouble staying out of the hyper analytical brain that a therapist can have. Um, And so we're trained, and this is not a knock on clinical social workers or therapists or psychologists. We're, we're, look, we're trained to assess for a problem and then look for solutions to a problem. So my brain was having the experience of, am I looking for what's wrong over there? And I don't want to be doing that. I want to be looking at the person from a completely strengths-focused way. And so when they're saying, I have a problem with whatever, my brain would would dive into like, Oh, now we have to like figure out the five bullet points for them to do so to fix this problem. And that was a barrier to me being a good coach in the beginning. That was because I think I was bringing too much of a hyper analysis to coaching. I'm much more spacious now. Mm-hmm. I, the back of my brain is going, don't forget you're a therapist, right? And it, and it won't ever because I still work as a therapist, but I'm more open to experience and allowing it just to be what it is and yes i see if they're what problems are but i'm more apt to ask uh, an open-ended question about that problem rather than try to deconstruct it with somebody because that's a very therapeutic way of looking let's deconstruct a problem and get underneath it and then find all the things we need to do whereas coaching because someone's not hung up by the past they're looking at forward momentum um, they are having the experience of, okay, so can I take a wide angle view of this? And and now I bring more of a wide angle view as a coach and then let the therapist brain take a nap. Yeah. And that <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. So uh, what I'm getting from this is that for you, um, you know, specifically for you, um, the therapist is kind of, if we split your, um, you know, yourself into two different personas, that of a therapist and that of a coach, for you, being a therapist is something that's super analytical. And for you, uh, you know, for your persona of a coach, you kind of want to bring in more emotional um, reasoning and, um, you know, you want to look at it from a human kind of point of view, if that makes any sense. Is that right for me to kind of deduct it that way? Or um, would you like I, to... I think, I think you're on to something there. Um, you know, the, the therapist even though there's more analysis, maybe um, I think that the presence um, the loving presence of a human being working with a human being who's suffering is, is equal to that of, if, of coaching. But what you're, what you're right about though, which I love how you're looking at it and, and tell me if I'm, if I'm hitting on what you mean, yeah. like I was saying before, there's something a little more spacious about the coaching and rather than looking at what's wrong over there, like if someone's hallucinating because they have psychosis, it's very easy for us to say, that's a problem, of course, mm-hmm. and there's something wrong there. Yeah, It's easy for us as humans to do that. I try to have more of an open mind and say, okay, well, let's not frame it that way. Let's frame it a different way. With coaching, someone brings us a problem. And, and, and from a, also, a, again, a very human perspective, a gentle quality of like, okay, well, let's not look for what's wrong here. Let's yeah. see what is the barrier and, and use right. different language around that rather than psychosis and keeps wanting to jump out of a window every night because of whatever you know hallucinations are happening well that's a problem and something's wrong is there in coaching it's you know here's my problem okay good what if it weren't a problem yeah like what if we didn't say that this was a problem i'll ask that question like you know this thing you're telling me is a barrier what if that weren't actually a problem and at the root of that thing that is a barrier are actually lying all of your strengths or your best strengths because that's what a thing i've discovered as well our weaknesses or our failings are often rooted in our strongest elements yeah 
directly related. It's like they're wired together. I I love that. I love the way you kind of spoke about that because, um, you know, for me, also I'll give you a little bit of a personal story. So, you know, we used to have the slam books. I don't know if you remember. So, um, I don't know, maybe it's a pretty Indian thing, but um, <laughs> it's the, uh, you know, like friends used to kind of write um, the name. So we, we used to have this thing called slam books. So we used to write down, um, you know, like towards the end, it's kind of like a very yearbooky kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. where people can write down messages and stuff but we had like an entire book about that so like you know you could write names pet names numbers and uh, crushes and things like that and um, wait I kind of forgot what we were speaking about I got so involved in that nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah okay now I remember okay <laughs> So, um, you know, there used to be this section of strengths, like what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And, um, Mm. you know, like whenever I used to give it to my dad or whenever I used to give it to an adult because I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I don't only have kids my age, but I also have adults writing down things in my slam book and it was like pretty cool. Um, So my dad always used to write this, right? Like my strength is my family, but my weakness is also my family. And mm-hmm. I used to, I used to be like, why is he writing that? Right. Like I used to always be like, why is he writing that? Why is he writing that? And then now that I've grown up, I kind of understand why he wrote that because for me, it's the same exact thing. Like the amount of strength that I draw from my family, um, they're also my weakness. So like if something happens to them, I would basically be like, ah, you know, like what am I supposed to do with life? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty grim thing, but yeah, I kind of, you know, when you were talking about strengths and weaknesses and them being completely interlinked, I think that was the first thing that popped up in my mind that, you know, I used to view this as something that was pretty um, alien to me that how can strengths and weaknesses be so interlinked? But then now that yeah. I've grown up, I'm like, like, mm-hmm. you know, oh my God, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. Well, we spoke about a lot of things. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So you said as a coach in your journey, um, you know, the obstacles that you had were mostly the blocks that you kind of put up in life, uh, especially regarding the, um, you know, the therapist and the coach mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. uh, vying for your in- attention, basically, if that makes any yeah. sense. So um, what were the solutions that you came up with to deal with these obstacles, to deal with this constant um, tug of war? Basically. That's a good one. Um, I had someone coach me because I said, you know, I'm having trouble with this and I love to coach because it's a different part of what I feel like I'm called to do. And then I talked about, mm-hmm. you know, and that was just one obstacle I had with the whole therapy coaching thing. But yeah. I had someone coach me, uh, help me sort of get underneath. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Why was I being rigid? Something in my brain yeah. was being rigid. And I, what I discovered was I was trying to hold on to what I knew. I'd worked really hard on that master's yeah. degree. I'd worked really hard at passing those terribly difficult board licensing exams that took four and a half hours to take, yeah. right? Um, and getting supervised. And so my brain was saying, don't let go of what you know, because you don't know what you're doing over here in the coaching arena as much as you do as a therapist. And so it was trying to hold on for dear life to what I thought I knew, whereas allowing myself to just be with, 
here we are again, back with just mm -hmm. being with, without trying to figure out or fix yeah. anything in a new and novel way. Mm -hmm. And my brain, as it does, says, no, this is scary mm -hmm. territory. And so really how mm -hmm. I broke through that was to get support and say, I'm having trouble with this and I don't know how to do it. And here I am saying, I'm a coach and therapist and I'm in the middle of this thing, not knowing how to be a better coach. So someone wiser and someone with a skill set to help me break that down was able to help me with that. And, that, and I would recommend that for, for anybody, you know. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I would love to know more about this journey if you're comfortable sharing it. Like, how did you, um, like, what was the biggest insight that kind of pushed you um, to kind of, you know, have the therapist mind, but also coach? Mm -hmm. So kind of like enter the scary territory while holding hands with, things that you were already aware of. So what was the biggest insight that kind of pushed you to be in the middle of these two personas? Mm. Yeah, I, you know, the um, there's a polarity and a duality to for me and my experience as a therapist on one side and as a coach on the other. And although I adore both, something about the, from this moment and how we look at the future seemed very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of therapy is, what do you want in the future? What do you want to create? But it's a lot of looking at the past, a lot of looking backwards and a lot of mm -hmm. saying, I see in my early development, my family system looked like this. And, and then I showed up like this mm -hmm. later on in life because of that. And then, or this really bothers me still, or I have trauma from my childhood, um, you know, and yeah. that kind of thing. And then, and, and that's great. And I love that work and people get forward momentum out of doing therapy, but there was something about meeting somebody in this sort of central place where they're like, I've done therapy and, um, mm -hmm. there are still things that I have issues with, but they don't hold me back in the same way. And I'm looking to do these things in my life. That sort of, that was like another half of the, my favorite cake, right? This is half of the cake that I love. Yeah. And then this is the other half that I love. And it was like, wow, we're going to start here and not mess around too much over there in order to look towards the future. And that sort of was exciting to me. And it was novel in the beginning. So it was juicy and like, wow, another. So now I have both of these arenas and they're, they're very fulfilling. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does perfectly. I love, I love the way you said that. Wow, it was amazing. Uh, my next question to you is, as this is a spiritual podcast, um, I think it would be awesome to know if you have any spiritual or self-care routines in your um, work life, as well as when you're working with a particular client. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Um, and we'll, we'll keep it co coaching minded. But in general, I have a meditation practice. Um, and, and I, I, in my meditation practice has, has evolved over the years. Um, and my current meditation practice is, is, um, what I like to call, and, and a friend of mine who's a transcendental meditation teacher absolutely hates it when I say this because she thinks it sounds like drug use, but it's not drug use. I say I do hits of meditation during the day. So I have these multiple times, sometimes a dozen times of four to five minute step into the bathroom, shut the door and, and be completely still and do a mindfulness check-in and a somatic check-in. And mm -hmm. I'll do that multiple times during the day. Um, sometimes it's three times a day and sometimes it's a dozen times. Recently, because my life has been very um, complex with all the things that I'm doing, I've inserted more meditation so that I don't go completely crazy. Um, it helps me mm -hmm. completely align with my best self each time I take two, three, five minutes to do that. Um, so self-care is very important for me being a therapist 
and being a coach as well, because I preach self-care to people. I say, you know, what are your self-care routines? And if they don't have any, we develop them. And then when they do have them and then they don't do them, I say, why are you not doing them? So if I'm not doing them, who am I to be saying <laughs> do your oh, yeah. self-care, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. I have meditation practice. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I do yoga. Um, and yoga for me is a mm -hmm. spiritual practice, um, even though it's gr it feels great physically because it keeps my 53-year-old creaky body from being creaky. Um, and yeah. so that's something. Um, and I think those are the two most important things, apart from connection and connection with my partner, connection with people like you. I have to keep that in my life. And that keeps me on a I know I just to, I can't think of a better way to describe it, but then a a plane of existence that just feels good. So if I stay connected and I do my self care and do my yoga and eat well and all of that, um, I feel like that I can function highly. For the most part, that's that's perfect. I love that. I love that a lot because meditation is definitely one of the things that you know, like it's a part of my coaching program. If that makes sense, so we work oh, to you incorporate that meditation. Yeah, mm, I do. I do. Cool. Because I'm like, yeah, because uh, for me in my coaching practice, it's a lot about talking to yourself. So I incorporate, I give them these two techniques and we work through distractions and stuff like that. But I give them two techniques that they can do uh, one in the early morning and the other is basically when they will actually reach in and connect with themselves and have these long conversations without having to worry about someone looking at them mm -hmm. being like, oh my God, why are they being so crazy? Um, you know, like you are within yourself um, and you're true to yourself because there is this one thing that I like to say a lot is that you can lie to the entire world. You can lie to your God. You can lie to um, your friends, your family members, whosoever, but you can't lie to yourself because when you do that, like, you know, even if you make it sound like a very convincing lie, somewhere deep down, there is this one kind of a um, tickle, you know, like, Ooh. I don't think that's right. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I always tell people that you need to communicate with yourself. And that's a really huge part of the program that it's all about communicating with uh -huh. yourself. So meditation is an extremely important thing that even I do every single day. Like I need to meditate in the morning to kind of, um, because, um, you know, that's the place where I give gratitude to the world, to the universe, mm -hmm. to myself, mm -hmm. to my mind, body, and soul. And that's how I, you know, kind of fit in my gratitude um, journey as mm -hmm. well. And then I do meditations every, uh, basically, especially when there is like this huge thing that's really troubling me and I don't know what to do about it. I'm like, it's time to mm -hmm. meditate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's the perfect place where I can find the answers that, you know, I'm looking for. Yeah. So, yeah. Ooh. Um, so, you know, because this podcast is called The Soul's Conquest, what is... What was one of your biggest soul's conquest and what is shaping up to be your soul's conquest right now? Okay. This is really good. I, um, when I, cause you know, I knew that you had this podcast and you and I did a live on Instagram and, and we, you know, we hinted yes. things like this. And, um, when I think about conquest in the beginning, I'll be, I'll bust myself here. I had monkey mind around the idea of conquest in the soul. 
um, I had yeah. this moment of like, Ooh, does, does that mean that my soul needs to get over some kind of hump in order to like have this like moment. And then yeah. when I sat with that, I discovered that that was not the truth for that for me. It was like an immediate response in my brain and it's actually not the truth. The, the soul's conquest for me was and is currently still a discovery of finding alignment with what I identify even with my limited understanding is my true self higher Ooh. self, whatever people want to call it. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm going to use language here and, and I hope it resonates and I think it will resonate with you. And, and people say this all the time, but it's really truthful for me. When I had the experience of realizing that I am a spark of divinity, a part of the universe, having a human experience, mm -hmm. it was like my, my whole soul said, yes, you got it. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that you know anything, but you got that. And, and it changed yeah. everything about the way I show up in the world, even though I'm human and I still face plant all the time, like smack right on my face. I screw things yeah. up all the time, but the, but I have an awareness of that. And so for me, that feels kind of like a conquest because up until my early forties, I didn't have an understanding of that. In, in, as an experience, mm -hmm. I had some kind of intellectual question about it. And so, and then that continues to be my, my journey, I guess I could say, to, oh. to remind myself of that thing that, that, you know, right now, my experience is, is even though I'm talking to Maddie, I'm talking to myself. She's another spark of divinity having a human experience. And so this moment is, is for me all about alignment with that. And so that's for me is a soul's conquest. Does, does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It, it genuinely makes a lot of sense. So I kind of want to ask you this one question. What was the thing that made you go like, yes, I'm a part of the universe. Like I'm part of that divinity. What was the thing that triggered um, the entire thought process that led you to that conclusion, if you're comfortable with oh, sharing. Oh, yes. I, I am, I'm really comfortable sharing this. Um, there's darkness to this share. Um, mm -hmm. About 10 years ago, I went through a very, I, I think I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the dark night yeah. of the soul, I like to call it, because it sounds dramatic and poetic, and I'm kind of a drama queen, right? So um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said, um, I, I, I went through this um, period where I could not discover my purpose in the world. Mm -hmm. it, it was, I didn't have an answer for that. And at the time I was drinking heavily and, and trying yeah. not to feel anything. You know, that thing I was saying earlier about not feeling yeah. pain. Well, I, that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was like, nope, we're not going to feel that. And when I came out of that um, experience, I had a moment of, well, it, it, I think it was my first really huge spiritual experience. And I've had multiple since then that they, they, they come. I don't think there's ever any one big experience. And then we're like, bam, my light bulbs on. Um, I keep having them because I stay open to that. And I, I think I have a meditation practice and a prayer practice that's, that says, let me continue to be downloading your fabulosity because you know, this is what I want to be in the world. Um, at least in this physical reality we live in right now. 
Um, so that yeah. experience came from a dark place where I had no understanding. And now I like to joke and say that I have a limited understanding, but the limited understanding mm -hmm. is like turning on one of those giant spotlights, you know, the ones that can shine up into the sky, you know, it's that bright. Mm -hmm. It was like that, um, mm -hmm. where I, I don't know, it was a discovery. And, you know, it was born, yeah. like I said, from a place where I, I didn't feel any value or worth. Um, I wanted to be a spiritual person, but I didn't know what that actually meant. I couldn't figure out what that was. And then over the course of doing some getting healthy and then studying myself, I had this light bulb moment, which was a giant one. It was like a 40 story light bulb. The, um, over a course of time, I think it happened, but the light bulb recognition happened on a day. I can remember the day that I went, <gasps> my God, yeah. literally. I'm thank you. Like I had this moment of, of, and then I felt such peace. Um, and, and yeah. then there it was. And then since then I've been, I continue to work towards that. How can I be a bigger conduit? How can I remember my spark of divinity having the human experience? And then how can I be a contribution while we're living in this funny little world made of stuff, you know, a body and computers and, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I kind of have two things that I wanted to, um, you know, speak on. And the first one is pretty dark. Um, but I feel like it is in our darkest moments that, you know, we realize the importance of spirituality and we realize um, or we have, you know, like the darkness is the trigger for us to start the search for um, you know like it's gonna sound very weird but start the search for our own self our soul like hey where have you been like I know you've always existed with me but what what was your journey and you know what am I like people like to call it existential crisis I like to call it this is the opportunity for you to actually go deep you know like take a deep dive within yourself and figure out ask the good questions and kind of find like, you know, limited answers, but at least find some answers that will help you kind of push you forward in the journey. Because a lot of people go like, who am I? Why am I here on this planet? And this and that. And it's a long list of questions. And a lot of people have faced that, but um, they face it in a very negative way, as in they, they look at it from a very negative perspective that, oh my God, midlife crisis or, oh my God, existential crisis. And I'm like, no, this is your intuition this is your soul this is whatever you want to call it you know your higher self your god universe whatever it is this is it telling you that this is the moment for you to ask the questions and the more you feel that the more you're like ask ask these questions to yourself find the answers from within what are you doing and so it kind of like i said you know keep screaming until you actually sit down with yourself and go like yeah. who am i yeah yeah. Totally. <laughs> I love the way you put that. You know, I, I don't think that um, spiritual experiences are exclusive to dark nights, but I don't know any yeah. different way. My biggest yeah. spiritual experience came out of a dark night. Yeah. So there it is. You know, that's my understanding. And I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like it is, for, you know, it's kind of similar to me as well, because I had um, I was a spiritual person, but then there was this wonky place when I was in my teenage years where I was like, yeah, spirituality seems like a hoax. It seems like something too much and like, you know, like, oh my God, science can't prove it, this and that, and this right. and that. 
and you know like there was that entire thing of um, it being a hoax and media just kind of like pumping it up right like spirituality doesn't exist and this doesn't exist and that doesn't exist mm. and um then there was a dark moment in my life and then there were a couple more dark moments in my life and I was like I need something I need something right now to kind of make myself you know ground myself if that makes any sense and that was when spirituality came as an answer for me so I think for me and for you you know like it came from a dark moment and it might come from a light moment and if it does kind of please be grateful for that because um you don't want a dark moment to finally be the triggering thing that makes you go like <laughs> you know like what what am i like please if it comes from a good place take it like that and be happy and grateful yeah, for yeah i think what I you think, said yeah. about asking the questions in that moment you know now is the moment to ask the questions that's genius just the way you put that you know yeah. and not solidify anything ask the questions you know who am i yeah. what's happening to me right now and be open to and curious about what's happening so i love that i didn't do that in at the end of my at the, when that dark night was happening i had a bit of pushback because it frightened me but i i yeah. think the universe was there for me in some way nudging me along you know just a yeah i'm grateful for that Ooh. yeah so i had two things um now i have three things one of which we already answered but Would you want to talk a bit about that fear that you experienced, you know, when when the sudden change of perspective happened in your life? Um what did you feel when that happened? Like obviously fear is the main element but could you kind of if you wanted to work through that thought process and share it yeah, with us? Yeah, good one. Okay, so and I can I'm clear about this cuz it's a, it it mm-hmm. was a very resonant experience and still can be, you know, if I let my mind get away from me. anxiety in that moment that something was going to happen that was going to be out of my control yeah the anxiousness of course there's fear attached there but it was the idea of control and what i had tried to do my whole life was control everything yeah. oh sorry control everything and then when i realized that in order for me to have this experience i have to relinquish mm-hmm. control Yeah. And at the time a therapist was saying that to me because and she was a very spiritual minded therapist and she was wonderful and and she mm-hmm. said okay this is the moment it's like jumping off the cliff without the wingsuit right and I said Ooh, yeah. what idiot would do that and she was like this idiot and she pointed to me um and I, <laughs> and I said really and she was like and she was so encouraging she said and I know you can do this but you have to stop trying to control every fill in the blank thing she said a naughty word there <laughs> um and um and I said okay I don't know how to do that and then she said you will with time and then with time I did um but it was the anxiety that I felt with having to relinquish control because my brain mm-hmm. would say Uh, if you give in to this big spiritual thing that's like calling you I, uh, like what if it all goes wrong that's what my brain would do like what if it all goes wrong you know that you discover that you're actually not worth anything that you're not connected to everyone mm-hmm. on the planet that you're not um a spark of divinity what if you discover that that's what my brain wanted to do at the time it was not a well brain um and my brain can still yeah. do that it's how human we go into something new and we're like the brain goes don't, i don't know if you should do that yeah because it's trying to keep us safe the mm-hmm. ego is saying oh no 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 that's dangerous territory right just just yeah, be yeah. good and be a nice boy and do what you're supposed to do right and do the best you can yeah. well 
you know, there it is. So I think that was it. Did that answer your question? It's like anxiety with the, of the unknown, <laughs> right? The not knowing what was going to happen and I couldn't control it. Oh, yeah. I resonated with that so deeply, um, you know, because for me, I think because of a lot of times I had um, moments where I wasn't in control and I was afraid of that happening mm. again. So I was mm. always the kind of person who's like, I need to be as much in control as I can. And then, you know, boom, spirituality hits and you're like, <laughs> what is happening right now? Like, oh my God, like, you know, and it has a crazy way of giving you some hard answers. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not something that um, in a very Hindi term, which is like, you know, it doesn't muskufy you or it doesn't butter you. Uh, it's kind of like, it doesn't um, answer if you ask a question, if you ask a really good question, um, there will be times when it won't answer the way you, you know, you want it to be answered. Like, um, you know, like, okay, so if, um, let's say like, hey, do you want to take a smoke? Like, you know, do you want to smoke a cigarette or something? And um, you want your soul to be like, yes, smoke a cigarette. And, you know, because that kind of, full, you know, kind of, um, uh, fills you up and be like yeah my soul is also saying that but then your soul is like nope it's gonna be bad for your health and you're like spirituality sucks <laughs> 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 oh my god yeah uh, so yeah and i feel like you know with spirituality for me and this, this kind of ties up to what i was gonna ask you um, and speak about next was uh, for me spirituality is all about balance hmm. so even in all of this right like as you said, or for me also, as a personal experience, it's like um, controlling things and kind of letting go. Mm. So finding a balance between yeah. that. For me, spirituality was also, because for me, the biggest spirituality moment was understanding the fact that I was a part of the universe. Um, like, you know, like it was for you, pretty much the similar ex a similar experience, like how you had. Um, so understanding that I'm a part of the universe, but also the fact that I'm living as a human right now here mm. in the now. So finding a balance between that, that um, while I might be a part of this big wonky thing um, that, that, you know, constitutes all of us, um, I might not be that huge a part of it as well. So, you know, like the world doesn't revolve around. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> finding that balance, I think that, this spirituality for me and I think I I personally yearn to um, keep finding that balance everywhere for me because that's pretty much what spirituality means and that's super important mm. what does it mean to you what does spirituality mean to you it is a way well I'm going to ping off of what you said it is a way mm. to understand my integration into this physical reality and for mm. me, it's, it's the bigger picture. I think yeah. I would feel so small without my sense of spiritual fill in the blank, you know, my spirituality, yeah. the way I connect to what I feel like is the whole universe. And when I recognize that I'm part of that and I hold that, um, it's a way for mm -hmm. me to reconcile this difficult thing yeah. to live in. You know, yeah. because when I'm having what I like to call, and I get this from someone else, but contrasting moments where there's difficulty, 
whether that be family mm-hmm. karma coming up or, or, you know, recently I've been doing this visa process so that I can stay in the UK for good. Um, and it was very contrasty yeah. to be nice about it. It was yeah. so complicated and difficult and it was causing me frustrations. Mm-hmm. And when I remind myself about the, the being the spark of divinity and, and I, and I initiate practices in order to keep this little physical system that my wee little yeah. self, shh, you know, mm-hmm. relax, Dan. Right. Yeah. Dan, who's having this experience on a physical plane, whose name is Dan, right? Just calm, you know, remember who you are really. It reconciles yeah. it for me rather than being hung up in the, the physicality and the materialism of, of this world, right? Where I can't get the right job. Or, you know, you hear people say, or like, I, come, I can't find the right boyfriend or girlfriend, or I don't make enough money or, you know, and they're all hung up on this thing that we're like in right now. And I'm like, oh my God, there's so much more than this. This is where we're learning to play with some stuff, energies and understanding. And so for me, that's what it is. It's that integration and it brings ease to this physical experience somehow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow, that was amazing. Um, So last two questions for you. Uh, What is the one thing that, you know, that has happened recently that has created an impact on your Uh, life? What I was speaking of recently, I have come back to America to do this visa process. Um, and I am being immersed in some family system things that are that are tricky. Yeah. And, and I say, you know, there's some yeah. karmic things coming up and it's been a moment of contrast where um, I have been challenged to remember. And right now talking to you is, the, is for me, the universe saying, see, being able to speak to Madrima about this is a reminder of what's really important to do the work on the self, yeah. to remind yourself that there's something bigger than you your, your, your actual true self that can help you yeah. hold this experience. And so it's really cool that you asked me that question because right now in this, what I have been telling my partner is a pressure cooker of experience. Um, I yeah. am being called to connect to my higher self more and more. And it's, I'm so grateful for that, even though it's been more difficult it's really easy to sort of recognize the higher self when we're on a beach and we've just had a good meal and we're like (laughs) having a good time. Right. Um, It's very different when we're in the pressure cooker and, and then having to say, well, be with our higher self. We don't want to do that. We want to fight the pressure cooker and try to get out of it. Um, And so that's been my experience most recently that's been most impactful. And I haven't had that in a while. Lockdown has been hard. COVID has been weird and and different, but coming here and over these last two weeks has brought all this to the fore. And here I sit with you talking about that. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, my last thing for you is what is the one thing that you would like to leave my listeners with? In direct alignment with what I just said, and we've talked about it a little bit already. If Mm -hmm. you can find a way to be with every experience with equal amount of head and heart. And what I mean is I've had this contrasty experience recently My work is to find a way to be with that, just like I am Mm -hmm. 
I went on a hike the other day up in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful, my favorite place. And over the next couple, three weeks that I'm here, I will continue to hike up there. It was very easy for me to be with that experience. I felt the universe flowing through me. I was a little spark of divinity having a luminous, like amazing day, hiking until my feet hurt, right? And it was just beautiful. That was so easy. If we can find a way to be with the difficult experiences by allowing and accepting and being curious about without trying to fix them or change them or do anything to them, just be with. If I say anything in this podcast, it would be find a way to do that. Have somebody help mm -hmm. you find a way to do that or do that on your own because it will impact you, I promise you, in a positive way. Yes, that's amazing. I love that little insight. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your journey, for sharing what you do as coach and for sharing the dark moments as well as the good moments. I hope you had an amazing time. I had an absolutely amazing time. I always love chatting with you. I can't wait to do it again. Yay, super excited. Thank you so much for being here. Um, extremely grateful for this experience. So am I, thank you. Hey Conquerors, thank you for staying here till the end. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, today's story, and today's journey. If you did, please feel free to rate and review me on Apple Podcast or reach out to me at Instagram at Madhurima, that is M-A-D-H-U-R-I-M-A underscore soul coach. Feel free to take a screenshot of the newest episode release, tag me, and put it up on your story with your review so that I can feature you on my Instagram. It would be my honor to do that it would be my honor to share your perspective on what you thought of this beautiful podcast remember we are here to inspire we are here to create we are here to conquer see you bye